0: Now, the first thing that I want you to understand about angels is that they haven't been around forever like God has. You know, God alone is eternal, which means he had no beginning. But angels did have a beginning. There was a time when they came into being. And uh, the scripture tells us about this in Colossians 1 and uh, verse 6. The Apostle Paul is talking about Jesus Christ and the supremacy of, of Jesus Christ. And notice what he says here, I'll start a, a verse earlier talking about the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it, it understood God's grace and all its truth. Where am I here? Colossians 1 and verse 6. Talking about Jesus Christ. I can't believe. I have the wrong verse there. But anyway, it's talking about uh, later on in verse 15, the supremacy of Jesus Christ. It says, He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him, verse 16 is what I'm looking for here. For by Him, by Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. So Jesus. Is the one responsible for all that was created and some of the things that are mentioned here are angelic beings the things in heaven and then it mentions different uh, offices if you will of angels thrones powers rulers or authorities all were created by jesus so angels at one point in time were brought into existence long long ago They had not existed before, but they were created by God as special beings. And uh, we'll learn later on some of the purposes that they have and some of the ways that they do serve. But when were angels created? Well, the Bible again gives us a hint on that in the book of Job. Job uh, chapter 38 Job chapter 38, it doesn't give us a date or a year when angels were created, but we do read here that they were created before the physical creation came into being. Job 38 beginning in verse 4. Uh, This is where God finally speaks to Job toward the end of the book and kind of puts Job in his place. Job's uh, sin was self-righteousness. And uh, God puts him on the spot. You know, you, he says, you think you're, you're so big and you're so important. Verse 4, he says to Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretches a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone?" So he's talking about when the universe was created along with the earth and everything on the earth and in talking about this creation, he says in verse seven, while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. So the angels rejoiced at the time that God created the physical universe which means that they were in existence before the universe was created. So that kind of gives us a little bit of a timeline as to when angels were brought into existence by God. They were created before the universe came into existence, so that when it did happen, when the universe was created, the angels rejoiced, because it was such a tremendous accomplishment on God's part to create everything that exists today. So angels didn't always exist. They were created by God. They were created before the physical universe came into being. And one more question I'll ask at the beginning here, how many angels are there? How many are there? Well, there's lots of them. (laughs) I want to turn to Revelation chapter five and verse 11. Revelation five, verse 11. John, in a vision here, sees what it's like around God's throne, and it says this, Revelation 5:11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. So I don't know if you can put, uh, put that into actual digits, but it's a lot of angels. We don't know exactly how many there are, but God created as many as he needed to fulfill the purpose that they were to serve. And... Uh, Certainly, when we were created, and as we're going to find out, a lot of their purpose has to do with serving us as God's people. Uh, There's eight billion people on earth, and there's a lot of angels involved. And, you know, angels are invisible. We can't see them. We're going to turn now and learn about uh, the nature of angels. And I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews 1 verse 14. Hebrews 1 14 says this, Are not all angels ministering spirits? Now ministering means serving. They're humble servants created by God. They're ministering spirits. Now, a spirit is different from a flesh-and-blood human person. God is spirit, but angels are also spirit, which means they're invisible, they don't have physical bodies. Now, angels can manifest themselves in a physical body if they need to for a certain purpose, and maybe next time we'll read some examples of when they did that. But they are spirit. They are invisible and You know what? I think that there are angels in this room right now as we sit here and read the scripture and worship God. There are angels joining with us here because their responsibility is toward us, toward God's children. And they serve us in many ways, I'm sure in ways that we can't even imagine. So, the nature of angels, they are spirit. They're invisible, they can take on physical form when necessary and even be seen by humans when necessary. They are individual beings who have intelligence, emotions, and a free will. So God created them in this way. They do not have the godly characteristics of omniscience. In other words, they're not all-knowing. Only God is all-knowing. They're not omnipresent. They're not every place like God is. They're in one location at one time. They're limited in that way. And they're also not omnipotent, all-powerful. In fact, the Bible tells us that there are some angels that are stronger than other angels. But angels are certainly more powerful than human beings are. So even though angels are spirit like God is spirit, That's pretty much where the comparison ends. Angels are not all-knowing. They're not all powerful. And they're not omnipresent. They're not everywhere at the same time like God is. They're limited to being at one place at one time. In fact, they even have a limited understanding of God's plan. They're learning as time goes by. I really enjoy this scripture in 1 Peter. Chapter 1 and verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. Peter's talking about the whole plan of salvation created by God. He says concerning this salvation, the prophets in the Old Testament who spoke of the grace that was to come to you. Searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So the Old Testament prophets were given the commission to write their prophecies, to preserve them for the future and to certainly speak them, but they didn't fully understand what it was all about. You know, they were writing prophecies You know, like we read in the book of Psalms of the suffering servant and this person who was to die and suffer great pain and pay a penalty for the sins of the human race. But they didn't understand who this was going to be. And they were very interested. They tried to find out. In verse 12, it says, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. So the prophecies that they wrote about the future especially about the plan of God and salvation and and the Messiah and who Jesus would be it wasn't for them to to understand God said don't worry about it what you're writing is for people in the future so he says it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven even angels long to look into these things so angels are you know paying attention to what is taught in the church as god reveals his truth because they don't fully understand into the future now what the plan is and exactly how it's going to happen and how it's all going to to play out the angels are curious about this so it's even a, a, a learning experience for them they don't know everything there is to know like god does so they're very curious about that. Now we're still on the subject of the nature of angels, and I want to turn to Matthew chapter 22. <clears throat> Matthew 22. There was a uh, discussion going on here about what things are going to be like in heaven and after the resurrection from the dead and. There was a big controversy and the question was brought up to Jesus. Now, what about some woman who's been married, you know, five or six times in her life? Come to resurrection, who's she going to be married to? How's God going to figure that all out? What if she's had six husbands in her life and they all died one by one? And Jesus said in verse 29 of Matthew 22, You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven." So God doesn't have to figure out which of the six husbands you've had that you're going to have in, in, you know, after the resurrection. Things are going to change. It's not going to be about marriage and it's not going to be, be about having children anymore. You know, that was created by God as a beautiful thing for human beings to enjoy. But once Jesus returns and there's the resurrection from the dead, everything's going to be from a spiritual point of view. You know, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and life is just going to be different. It's going to be so much better and beyond our imagination that we're not going to have to worry about who's married to who and whose kids belong to who. And he says it's going to be like the angels. So the angels were not created like human beings were. You know, we were uh, created in a way to fill the earth. Remember what God said to Adam and Eve. You know, he created them as sexual beings so they can have children. And as the years go by, the earth is going to be filled up with people as it has become. Now, when it comes to angels, God did not create angels to procreate he created individual angels as spirits, spirit beings, if you will. So God did not give angels the ability to procreate and to have children because that's not God's purpose. That was the purpose for human beings on earth. So angels do not marry. And it says nothing in the Bible about angels being male or female. They're spirit, okay? This implies that they do not have reproductive organs, and they do not produce baby angels. (laughs) They do not have sexual relations with human beings either. God never created in them the ability to do that. But I don't know about you, there's a lot of shows on TV nowadays, and uh, I think it's on just about every night, uh, shows about... Aliens and, and this sort of thing and so many times I hear the characters on these shows who are supposed to be experts talking about Well, you know in the Bible it says that at one time there were giants on the earth And that was because angels came down and you know procreated with with physical human women That's not biblical. It just isn't it's wrong <laughs> Okay, now they get their information from some uh, books that were written anciently that are not part of the bible there are apocryphal books they're known as and they're just people who came up with crazy harebrained ideas and wrote them in a book and it's fiction so when it comes to matters like this and to understand spiritual things we have to rely on God's word God's inspired word And you can't mix it up with a bunch of crazy ideas from other writers, even though they may be historic. You know, people write crazy things today and have crazy, harebrained ideas. They also did historically, too. There were a lot of crazy writers who had, you know, uh, scatterbrained ideas about God. And a lot of people like to think that, well, Jesus Christ was married, married Mary Magdalene. No, he didn't. Jesus was not married, and he did not marry Mary Magdalene either. So you got to be careful when you hear some of these scatterbrained ideas on TV. People want to think everything they want to think about the Bible except what's really there. So be on guard. So here we know about the nature of angels, their spirit, they're invisible. They can manifest themselves when necessary. They're individual beings who have intelligence, emotions, and a free will. They're not just like God. They have limitations because they're created. Don't forget, God has always existed. Angels haven't. Angels do not marry. It doesn't seem that they're male and female either. God didn't give them the ability to reproduce. That's not what God created them for. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about the hierarchy uh, of not just angels, but in relationship to God. In Hebrews chapter two, verse seven. Hebrews two and verse seven. He's talking about why God created us and what our ultimate destiny is going to be. We know that we are going to be like Jesus. We're not going to be God, but we're sons and daughters of God. And we're going to have an inheritance. We're going to be co-heirs with Jesus of the promises that God has made. So we have a tremendous future ahead of us. It says here in verse 5 of Hebrews 2, it is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. So this was actually uh, Job, I think the scripture says here in my margin, where this question is asked it says you speaking to god you made him man and women a little lower than the angels you crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet so when it comes to the hierarchy of things we know that god is at the top okay we as human beings are down here as his creation but somewhat higher than us is the angelic realm We were made a little lower than the angels. So God is the greatest of all. Below him are the spirit beings, angels. And then below them, we have the human race. But God made us lower than the angels. But ultimately, there is a reward for us when Jesus Christ returns and we receive our reward and we are co-heirs with Christ, it seems that we will then be above angels. So we are temporarily made lower than angels. They are greater than we are right now. They're spirit, they're powerful. Notice in Hebrews 1 angels right now are greater than human beings. But angels are lower than Jesus Christ. Don't forget that. Hebrews 1 and verse 3 says this, <clears throat> Hebrews 1, 3. You know, when this book was written, there was a tendency on the part of some people to worship angels. And that's never commanded in the Bible, We're to worship God. And the, the writer here is putting things in perspective. He says here, Hebrews 1 verse 3, the Son, Jesus Christ, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful word. After He had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So He, Jesus, became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. So he's pointing out here angels are not to be worshipped. We worship God. We worship God's son, Jesus Christ. He says in verse five, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father? And the answer is to none of the angels (laughs) did God the father ever say that. He said that to his son, Jesus Christ who is greater than the angels or again it goes on I will be his father and he will be my son and the answer again is to none of the angels did God ever say that so he's showing here in this first chapter of Hebrews the superiority of Jesus over angels worship Jesus don't worship angels angels were created to be servants not only to God but to us So, we need to have the right perspective on that. He says in verse 6, and again, when God brings His firstborn into the world, He says, let all God's angels worship Him. Don't worship angels, ever. (laughs) Worship Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and worship God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Notice verse 13, to which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand? until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet." And again, the answer is, to none of the angels did he ever say that. He said that to his son, his one and only son, Jesus Christ. So that's why he goes on to say in verse 14, are not all angels merely ministering spirits? And I put the word in there, merely, and I shouldn't have, because they fulfill a tremendous role in service to God and to the human race, especially to God's people. As it says here, ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. That's us and whoever else accepts Jesus as their savior. So we see the proper hierarchy hierarchy here. God is the greatest. He created angels as powerful ministering spirits they're more powerful than we are. Their spirit. They move about invisibly. They have tremendous powers and then we are below them. But the time is coming when we receive our reward, it seems, that our level will move up above angels. Notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 3. Just a very short uh, statement he makes here. 1 Corinthians 6, in verse 3, he's criticizing the church in Corinth because they're suing one another in the church. And he said, can't you people work these situations and these disagreements out among yourselves? Why are you taking each other to court and suing one another? He says in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 6, Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, a point as judges even men of little account in the church, I say this to, your, to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother goes to law against another, and this in front of unbelievers. Okay. But in uh, verse 3 here, he says, do you not know that we will judge angels, how much more the things of this life. So he says, church members shouldn't be suing one another. (laughs) You should be able to solve the problems, you know, agree with one another quickly. You know, in godly love, solve the differences of opinion and maybe have a person who is a more mature leader in the church hear you, you out and make a decision that should be suitable to both parties because we're going to have the responsibility someday of judging angels now what does that mean we don't know we don't know but if we are given a responsibility to judge angels that means someday we're going to have a higher position than they are that's our destiny that's what god has in store for us that's what it means to be co-heirs with jesus christ uh born again sons of god we haven't reached the fulfillment of what that means yet but someday when we do, it looks like we're gonna have a position of authority and responsibility. So we'll have to wait and see how that pans out and what, what all that's gonna mean in reality. But it's just a lesson that we need to be able to agree with one another now, if God is to give us that responsibility in the future. But you know, our calling is different than the calling of angels. You know, as that, that song pointed out at the beginning, you know, we can sing a song that angels can't sing. Now, they can sing many songs that we can't sing because of their experience with God. They have regular access to the throne of God. They see God every day. So they have a special relationship with God. They, they come before, around his throne and sing praises to him all the time. And then he dispatches them, you know, as he sees fit and as he has need to send them down to earth to be here invisibly most of the time. We can't even see them, but they're serving us in ways we don't even understand sometimes. So they're wonderful beings. You know, our lives would be a lot more difficult if they weren't there to fulfill their purpose. But we have a different calling. We're mere mortal human beings right now. We suffer with physical aches and pains and all sorts of trials on this earth. We live in a fallen world. See, the angels are above that. But they, you know, as God sends them down to, uh, you know, be a part of what we're going through and to help us in time of need, uh, they have a different calling than we do. But we can so be so thankful for them. We're not to praise them or to worship them by any means. In fact, I want to turn to Revelation 19 now. Their appearance at times is so overwhelming that it's just startling. And John had this occasion one time when he was seeing one of these visions. Revelation 19 and verse 9. So he sees this vision of end times and Jesus Christ taking his throne and reigning over the whole world. The wedding feast it talks about here in verse 7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen bright and clean was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. So John is so overwhelmed by this tremendous vision that he sees of the future verse 9 then the angel said to me write blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb and he added these are the true words of god at this john says i fell at his feet to worship him (laughs) probably the same would have happened to us this fantastic being this angel comes to him with this message and this vision and this word and after john sees it all He's just overcome I fell at his feet to worship him but he said to me do not do it I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy so there's very clear (laughs) instructions for us we worship God don't ever worship an angel. If we try to, you know, we're going to be chewed out just like John was at this point. Angels are these angels are very loyal. Now, don't forget, angels have a free will. And next time we're going to hear about some angels who decided not to follow God's instruction and remain loyal to him. But we're thankful for the angels who have remained loyal. Uh, And like I said, they serve a tremendous purpose for us and they're humble. They know their position, just as we know our position. So today we learned a little bit more about angels. We learned about their nature, where they came from, how long they've been around, how many of them there are, uh, what their nature is like. They're different from us. They're a lot different from us. And uh, they're learning just as we're learning. They don't have the whole picture yet and there's a hierarchy of things. God always comes number one. He is the one to be worshiped. Angels are a little bit lower than God and we are lower than angels, but there's something about our future where we are going to be raised a couple of notches to be uh, the born-again sons and daughters of God. Now angels don't have that calling and they don't have that future they have what they've always had. They're tremendous, powerful servants of God and servants of those that God has has called. So uh, next week in part two, we'll learn a little bit more and get into a few more details about these beings that God has created for a tremendous purpose.